Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You ever feel burned out? Of course you do. You're a human being in this world. But sometimes it's hard to see it coming until it just knocks you flat. You're going to hear from DJ Rez, super successful DJ who plays in front of tens of thousands of people. She'll tell you about learning to say no. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Becoming successful in the music industry is definitely challenging in itself, but longevity and sustaining that is a whole other thing. That is Rez, who knows a thing or two about becoming successful in the music industry. Uh, I'm Talia Schlanger, by the way, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Right now, you are hearing Rez's music. Rez, a.k.a. DJ Isabel Day. This is a superstar who performs in front of tens of thousands of people. What you're hearing is uh, music from a show she played at the massive Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. Maybe you recognize her from her light-up goggles that kind of look like spinning records. A while back, Rez sat down with Tom Power. This was on the heels of her launching a record label called Hypnovision and her new album called Nightmare on Rez Street 2. And Rez talked very openly about how tough the touring life can be and what she is doing to make sure she stays healthy. This is Canadian DJ Isabel Day, a.k.a. Rez. How are you? Hello, I'm very well, just relaxing. I just want to ask about that clip you just heard. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you're standing alone on stage in front of thousands of people. You're, you're, you know, these people are screaming and dancing and spinning and losing their minds and strobe lights are going on all around you. Like, where does your mind go in those moments? The way I always say it is like, if I like slept well and ate well that day and like feel great, the whole thing for me is like the most amazing experience ever. But then there's like, Sometimes if I didn't sleep well or didn't eat like well or enough that day or anything, then a lot of anxiety gets put at the forefront. So it's hard for me to even be like super present sometimes because like I'm so anxious of like not even like messing up, but just more so I'm anxious about like feeling bad, like how I feel like physically because of like the like touring and stuff like that. But for the most part, I mean, it never stops being insane. You know, like every single time I do it, I'm like, this is like so insane. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, and you started DJing for other people at a really young age, right? Like what's the, what's the story there? 
Yeah, so I started DJing when I was like 14 and I would like DJ at high school dances and like random bars. I like DJ at like a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse once. <laughs> like like I I DJed at like so many random like random things and like I've also played to like zero people. I've played to like 10 people like you know. And I just kind of at first I was just doing it for fun. Like I didn't really have it in mind to be like my career when I first started DJing. Like I wasn't like oh, this is what I want to do forever. It was more like, this is just like fun and cool for now. You know what I mean? And yeah, that was that. But it was when I was 18 that I started making music. And then I was like, oh, I actually want to do this as like a career because I wanted to play my music, you know? What, what I find interesting about that is that like I had a lot of friends who when we were in univer- when we were in high school I should say you know downloaded or like early versions of what is now Ableton and like downloaded like you know and, and bought super simple consoles and stuff like that you know and they were just kind of doing stuff in their bedroom but I think it's like interesting to be 14 and 15 and 16 years old and to like want to be doing it for people to like be playing clubs and underground clubs and, and parties and stuff like that's an interesting way right but I think I just got kind of influenced musically by certain people that I was associated associated with that that early age and got introduced to like around the groups that I was like hanging out they were all into like pop music and stuff and I was into this like electronic music and like not many people were at least that I was around and I wanted to just be the person that was like curating like the music for certain events yeah like you 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 had this music you really loved that people not that the people who you were hanging out with didn't know so well and then this is an opportunity for you to like show it to them to be like check out how good this is check out how good like a night can be with this music it was like very exhausting at that time because i had to like take a like a a bus uh by myself from like niagara falls to toronto and like never had a place to stay would like end up staying at some like random like person's house that i barely knew like it was kind of like just like a sketchy situation after a while and so I was like, I'm just going to like take a break from this. And when I did take a break, then it was like six, seven months later that I started making music. And then I was like, I had to, I wanted to revisit it again. Yeah, that's so, yeah. That's so beautiful. By the way, is it ever sketchy being 16 and 17 years old playing underground raves and parties and stuff like that? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Like, I remember like going to like the bathroom and like seeing people just like doing drugs like everywhere. I mean, people obviously do that now all the time and like different parties and shows yeah. and stuff too but i'm not really like exposed to it now and even if i was it wouldn't be like a big deal but like at that age you i was a kid like, right yeah i was like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> am i am i safe am i gonna be all right no seriously though I, I i bet and obviously things really start to pick up when you get signed to mousetrap which is the canadian record label started by uh dead mouse not just a fellow dj not just a fellow canadian dj but a fellow niagara falls dj but i know this was really meaningful for you can you describe how dead mouse has been a guiding light in your career oh yeah for sure i mean i remember seeing dead mouse perform when i was like 15 16 no i was like 16 probably and i remember such a crispness and clarity in his sounds that i didn't hear before and i was like that sounds so pleasant like on the ear like just like all of his kicks and snares and everything and like the way his music made me feel was like I felt very, very almost hypnotized by his sound. It definitely was my number one influence and inspiration to like want to make music on my own. You know what I mean? Like before that, it was like, yeah, I love this artist. I love this artist. For example, I loved Skrillex. I loved Zed's Dead. I loved like so many bands growing up, but like none of them quite made me like want to open my computer and make the music, except for once I really pay attention to Dead Mouse. It is 
really interesting to me that these two sort of like powerhouses of electronic music in the world who happen to come from Canada happen <laughs> to come from like a 15 minute drive from one another. Yeah, I know. It's definitely really insane. It's 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 definitely insane. Like and a massive coincidence, I, I guess. <laughs> maybe there's something. Maybe there's something in the water in Niagara Falls that we don't. Maybe we should go like check out the water filtering plant or something like that. Um, I heard a thing about you one time, and I never really thought about this. So, 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 like people should know that they, there are like programs you guys use that the DJs use when you're playing these like, you know, again, massive twenty, thirty thousand, forty thousand venue um, cap venues, and that these software programs can crash. <laughs> While you're on stage yeah. in front of all these people. Is is that right? Yeah, I've definitely had that happen. I've definitely had that happen many times. Yeah. What do you do? There was one time I was going to, I was about to ha- headline a show in Seattle and look for like 10,000 people. Right. And I'm like, I walk on stage. I'm already very nervous to go on stage, you know, whatever. And I walk on and my intro is playing like my intro uh, track. And as soon as the bass hits, all the music cut out, everything shut off. So literally my first track, and it's so funny because in that moment, I actually analyzed how I felt. And it was like the fear of something happening is a lot worse than it actually happening a lot of the time, you know, like the fear of it is like, oh, this better not happen. This better not happen. But then it happens. And it's like, I actually kind of laughed a little bit. I was like, this is just funny. Like, you know, like I I couldn't take it too seriously because like if I was going to sit there and be like, oh, and like, you know, start like swearing, getting all like angry, like that would just like be even worse you know what i mean for me for everyone involved so instead i just like laughed about it and was like on the mic i was like well let's just try this like try this again you know (laughs) like had to just like restart the whole thing and it's like basically my point is it's like of course it's not an ideal situation and i would not prefer that that happen but when it does occasionally sometimes happen I kind of find that it also brings like this weird connection with you and the audience and they kind of like it in a way it's like oh like they all get excited when like someone messes up or like there's like a train wreck on stage it's like this like moment of like authenticity and just like the reality of like life's occasional failures that just happen you know and I've kind of been learning to definitely um it just accept that if it were if it happens sometimes you know what i mean it doesn't happen if it were to happen all the time it'd be like problematic but like sometimes it's kind of like i mean i've seen some of my favorite artists in the world perform and when i see them kind of mess up it makes me like love them more kind of like it's like kind of funny you know what i mean yeah. i don't know yeah no i think you're right i think that audiences yeah. crave a bit of authenticity they crave a lot of authenticity yeah and that when if everything kind of cry if you're like if your laptop crashes while you're playing to 10, 20,000 people, they know what it's like for their laptop to crash at like an opportune moment. So that's, it's a, yeah, it's a for beautiful, sure. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So, I mean, you spent years at this point making your own music and touring the world for millions of fans. Just like, what's one thing about being like a world famous DJ that no one prepares you for? I, I mean, definitely just the touring and how, how challenging that can be i think that's the number one thing when i was like uh 18 and like making music before i started touring i was like so eager and excited like can't wait to tour can't wait to do that don't get me wrong it's like amazing in in a lot of ways like i cannot stress that enough it's amazing in a lot of ways but i just don't think anyone could have prepared me for like how exhausting and draining the like touring and traveling as much as artists do and also longevity and how 
and just how like you have to just be so consistent, you know, like becoming successful in the music industry is definitely challenging in itself, but longevity and sustaining that is a whole other thing. I don't think anyone can really prepare you for that because the industry is constantly changing. You've been even open so far in this conversation about like the realities of touring and like the sustainability of, of trying to be an artist right now. And, and I know you've been talking a little bit about your struggles with insomnia, um, and which is an interesting because also people should know that quite often you would perform at night, like you would perform often late yeah. at night. When did that start for you? When did the insomnia start? The first time I ever experienced serious insomnia, I got like pretty mad, like 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 insane about it was when I went to China and like the time change. So time change is another very understandable reason for like insomnia to happen because of course you're in a different place around the world, like especially in China, like 12 hour difference. Like, you know, it was that was very frustrating. Then like my body, my internal body clock got so mixed up and messed up that my body had a hard time falling asleep period like it didn't matter what time it was anymore it was like i was just like running days without it because my body was just so confused you know and that was that was very difficult however that only lasted like a couple days because that only lasted while i was like in in china then i ended up having finding a little bit of a flow to it and, and that never happened again and it was fine like until early 2022 where i randomly in the comfort of my own home got slammed with this like crazy insomnia that I never experienced in my life where it was like I didn't have to be on the road for it to be happening I was like just simply unable to sleep at night it was like really crazy like up until like seven in the morning I'd be up I'd be like why can't I sleep then I'd fall asleep for like two hours three hours that's it and it was so consistent that way and I don't think that necessarily had to do with like being on the road. It had to do with stress, anxiety, and fear, and perhaps dread surrounding this big tour that I was about to go on after having a lot of downtime during the pandemic that I became very comfortable with having a lot of time off. And I am naturally definitely more of a homebody. I love being home. I love working on music. I would rather be chilling working on music than like literally anything, you know? And so getting then thrown back into the world post-pandemic, I think the way that my body handled that stress was through insomnia. You know, some people don't eat. Some people eat more. Some people lose their hair. Some people, we know what I mean, when they're very stressed or very, you know, and, and stuff like that. For me, this time around was unique because for the first time in my life, I experienced this like very like prolonged period of insomnia it was a life-changing experience for me, honestly. Did you did you change something about yourself after that? Because I, I have to say that, like the knowing as many musicians as I do, the in particular the the life of the EDM artist, the the people I've met, is not the healthiest lifestyle in the world. You know. Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot I've changed since then. But the main thing that I've changed is that I know my limits in regards to how many shows I will accept and that you know it's fine to say no and pass on opportunities even though they're such big opportunities that people would think you're insane for saying no to some opportunity some opportunities but you just like literally have to at some point you know and it's like the thing that's interesting too about like burnout is that sometimes 
it can happen out of nowhere, you yeah. know, like yeah. you'll be like, you'll be like going and going and like you think you're fine and all is like fine. But then all of a sudden the accumulation of like the exhaustion, the accumulation of like the stress yeah. that you felt here and the stress that you felt there and all this stuff, it all of a sudden slaps you, you know? So sometimes when people say like, but don't burn yourself out, it's actually an interesting thing when, when I hear that. Cause it's like, it's not really your cho- like your choice in a way while you're already on the role of like working and stuff. It just kind of happens. Like you just like all of a sudden you realize, oh, that's my limit. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and so that's kind of like what what definitely happened. What What about while you're on the road? Are there things you are there things you've had to adjust, like lifestyle yeah. things when you're on the road or? For sure. I mean, I barely drink uh, alcohol when I'm on the road. I mean, you know, maybe a beer or two max some nights, you know what I'm saying? But for the most part, definitely. I mean, I've never really been like a massive drinker on the road anyways. Like that's never really been the problem for me. Uh, Like, of course, if you drink a bunch of alcohol, wake up next day, you're going to feel terrible. But that wasn't my problem with touring. Of course, that would be a self issue. That's like, I did that to myself. However, the nature of touring in general is exhausting. You know, the, it's sometimes it's impossible to make your flight routing be one of which that you had a restful night. Like sometimes you have to wake up at five, six in the morning and head to the airport and head to your next place. Right. Um, There's a lot of things that I have changed though, where nowadays I'm really trying to um, make my flights a lot like later and also go to bed earlier and like not go, not hang out with anyone, like not hang with a bunch of people like after the shows or like anything like that. Or uh, also I have my tour manager always bring me um, my like tour riders, like all my like fruits, vegetables and like food items and, uh, you know, my like Gatorade, water, all that is in my room um, before the show even happens. Like I already have that. So as soon as I get to my hotel, I get to like already kind of start nourishing myself throughout the day. So I'm like, I'm definitely more intentional about taking care of like my hydration and like stuff like that you know well i'm glad i'm glad you're i'm glad you're um able to to have more more of a healthy lifestyle because it also strikes me that you're you don't have a bass player or a, a, a you know you're like it's just you you're the one responsible for all of these people and i can i can only imagine the pressure on you um i know um that you're you're a pretty private person and so i really do appreciate you really making the time to talk to us and open up about this but i but i also know you've been opening up a little bit lately in general like you you've opened up about um your struggles with insomnia about the lack of sustainability as a as a touring artist about well you know what's done to your mental health what it's what what it's kind of done to you you've also opened up about your identity as as a queer person what what has been making it easier for you easier for you to open up Honestly, after I've experienced the very intense low mentally, uh, 2022, early 2022, it really opened up my mind in a lot of ways that I never thought it could be open, perhaps. Like, I just really understand, like, if if people are, it's not that I never had, it's not that I didn't have, like, empathy for this previously, of course, but it's just more like my empathy levels and my understanding is a lot more broad now, and, like, especially having experienced, like, severe lows that I should mention that previously I had never experienced stuff like this before. I was always a very optimistic, happy person, fortunate in in a lot of ways, at least fortunate in my own mind. It's not even that I had like a super wealthy family or like any connections. It wasn't even that. Just I had a very fortunately healthy mind for the majority of my life until this happened. And so when this insomnia thing happened and the way that it affected my my well-being, it definitely made me feel 
like I wanted to speak and tell people about my experience you know what I mean like not even in a way it's like oh I want to like inspire people it's like it's not even that it's just like I just felt like I wanted to share it you know because I know that on my own time I'm always watching interviews I'm constantly watching people on YouTube what hearing about people I'm curious about people's lives people who are artists people who are actors anyone like anyone any job I don't care I'm so curious about people's lives and like what they're experiencing and what they go through because I feel like so many people are like I'm great I'm doing well but like they like they don't like no one and it, and then it creates this like facade that like the majority of the world is just not struggling and everyone's fine but it's like I just felt like it was important for me to share my my experience in that way and how's it been for you great I love it it makes me want to like definitely talk more and like do more interviews and, and stuff like that um but before before I let you go um I wanted to ask you a little bit about your sort of trademark the light up glasses that you wear that look like kind of spinning records can you tell me the story behind them yeah for sure um I mean it goes back to me feeling hypnotized by music that I really loved at like an early age and how I wanted to sort of encapsulate that feeling of feeling hypnotized by music within my own branding and style. So I wanted to like create these hypnotic glasses to kind of further express that, you know, like I love the, I love the concept and the idea of being hypnotized by music. I think it's like just a very cool thing. And I think a lot of people do experience that feeling when they're like at events, like especially particularly dance music, I believe, or well, tons of music can, could be that way. No, but, but in particular, I, dance music is 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 trance like. It's hypnotic. It really exactly. is. Yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. It, it is. It like definitely just like leaves you in this like entranced state sometimes. Yeah. And I, and I really felt like the pace of and the style of music I made and have always wanted to make, especially at an early age, was very indicative of that. And I always think I can't believe no one did that before me. I always think that's crazy. I'm like, how did no one come up with like the hypnotic glasses? I just I think it's such a strong idea, you know, I'm going to ask you because I'm curious because I know there's like online communities dedicated. I've seen like Reddit threads arguing about this. Can you see very well through them? (laughs) Yeah. The first time I ever wore them was at a show in Boston and it was a super uh, dark nightclub. And so the first time I wore them, I was like slightly overwhelmed. I'm like, damn, it's like definitely hard to see through them. But the thing is, is that I learned how to see through them. Like you you get used to it. Like there's these little, first of all, the lights don't reflect back at me. They reflect (laughs) outwards. Yeah, of course. So, so I'm not, I'm not blinded by, by the lights, you know, but, um, the thing is, is I see the CDJs, which are underneath me, obviously, and I see them perfectly because through peripheral vision, there's like space underneath my glasses. So it's as if I'm seeing them without even wearing the glasses, you know what I mean? Like because yeah. of peripheral vision. And then as for through them, like, you know, those like glasses that like, I think they like wear them in like Jersey Shore where there's like lines through them and like you can see through the lines. Like, th- like that's basically what it's like to see through my glasses. I have, a, yeah, like the ones Kanye used to wear. I remember those. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like glasses, basically looking through glasses like that is like the best description I can give for looking through the sort of like spectacles of my glasses, you know, and, <laughs> and, and like then underneath, like I said, I can see perfectly and and um yeah it's it's totally fine it's totally fine and like not distract for me it's not distracting i I gotta tell you like we've been looking forward to talking to you for so long i think you really like represent like another generation of like canadian 
artists that have like really succeeded all around the world. And it's it's really amazing to see what what you did. And it's I mean it's so well deserved everything that's kind of been coming your way. So and thanks for being so open about everything you've been going through too, because it's nice to see the human side of all this like fame and success and money and all that. So I really appreciate you coming by. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate being here as well. And you're a very great interviewer. So thank you. Well, you're a great DJ. So we're, you know, we're good. If, if, if you ever need a banjo player, you know, I'm, I'm very affordable. <laughs> uh, Rez is a DJ and record uh, producer from Niagara Falls, Ontario. She just launched a new record label called Hypnovision. And her latest album is called Nightmare on Rez Street 2. That's Signal by Rez with Grabbits. Uh, Rez is on tour right now. She's playing the Veld Festival in Toronto tonight alongside Dead Mouse. And then uh, in Montreal on, a, on Saturday, she's going to play at Oceaga. That's before hitting the United States, including a return to Red Rocks on September 1st. That's it for this episode of the podcast, but you can find another episode right now in your feed. It's Tom's conversation with Calypso and Soka legend David Rudder. He takes you through his career from his early days as an artist, blazing trails in Calypso music and being told by the old guard that what he was doing was not real Calypso music, uh, all the way through becoming one of the most influential voices in the genre and in Soka. He'll also talk about his 70th birthday celebration party show gig, which might have been the last at that scale for him because he's been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Talk to Tom about his health, too. You can find that conversation in your feed right now. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. See you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.